Just can't get enough Casio? Well, you can check out more of Casio by listening to the Jimbo and Casio Morning Show live 6 to 10 a.m. Central on therocket951.com. So that can of pumpkin pie filling you buy, if, you, if you're in the mood to make a pumpkin pie, is almost 100% squash. Well, I don't, I feel like they can't do that. But here, here's, the, here's the deal. Pumpkin is in the squash family, is it not? I think they're all gourds. <laughs> Something about you saying the word gourd got me. Hey, I, I, believe me. When like I, you, you said it so authoritatively. Like <laughs> You had it in the chamber ready to roll, and you just rolled it right out. Well, well I mean, they're in the gourd factory. <laughs> they're all in the gourds. They're all gourds. Mm. Huh? Without looking at it, spell gourds. Go. G-O-U-R-D. Incorrect. Huh? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. G-O-U-R-D? Well, now that I'll look at it, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I thought you said G-O-R-D. Wait, what? You got it in front of you? No, I, I got it my my memory. <laughs> I thought you said <laughs> I thought you said G-O-R-D the first time. I need to go back and check the tape. <laughs> wait, a second, wait a second. I'm going to check the tape. You made me smell something. I smelled <laughs> it right. You buzzed me. I said, no, is that not right? And then you go, yeah, but you weren't looking at it. That's number one. Listen live online or download the Rocket app for your tablet or smartphone. Just search WRTT Rocket 95.1 in the Apple or Google Play Store. Hey, it's Tony Schiavone of All Elite Wrestling. You're listening to Cassio's Cuts with my good friend Cassio Kid. You know, I was on one of his podcasts earlier. I think it was episode six, so make sure you check that out. If not, enjoy this week's podcast from the one and only funniest guy I know, Cassio Kid. What's up, candy lickers? Pleased to meet you. Nice to know me. What you doing? You listening to another edition of Casio's Cut? Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. And if you're new, welcome to the party wagon that is Casio's Cut Podcast. Today, episode 28, with my good friend, Matt Kuhn. Actually, I'm going to take that back. Not my good friend. He is a friend. Matt Kuhn. He has his own podcast, Total Engagement, with Matt Kuhn. He's been on many other podcasts. Uh, You've heard his work uh, with Bruce Pritchard, Conrad Thompson, Tony Schiavone, Medusa, Terry Runnels, Dirty Dutch Mantel, Vince Russo, just to name a few. He has been involved. So we will talk to him, see what he's got heat with. He's got some heat. He's got lawyers after him right now. And, of course, we will discuss the all-important Mount Rushmore of Little Debbies as well, since it's two fat guys getting together. Uh, Before we do that, just some social media and some housekeeping to uh, take care of. Be sure you're following us at Casio's Cut. 
on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Casio's Cut. You'll see that popped up, and you can interact with us. Let us know what you thought about all the episodes. Uh, also, uh, if you want to be involved in our next P.O. Box episode, you can do that. It's coming up very quickly. The uh, packages are coming in, so as soon as we get a good handful in a couple weeks, maybe a week or two, uh, we will be ready to go with that. If you want to be a part of it, you can send anything. Stuff it in my box, my P.O. Box. That's Casio's Cut, P.O. Box 19065. Huntsville, Alabama, 35804. One more time, Casio's Cut, P.O. Box 19065, Huntsville, Alabama, 35804. That's how you can get in on that episode. We'll be doing a Q&A as well in between the packages, so we'll uh, be looking for that on our social media, the all-call for questions, so you can be a part of it any way you want also very exciting we have our merchandise shop set up the online store for casio's cut is at casio's cuts with an s on the end casio's cuts.com and that's merchandise headquarters we've got t-shirts we've got long sleeves we've got sweatshirts we've got the official casio's cut mount rushmore snack pack That's right. We've got the fanny pack. That's the official Casio's Cut snack pack. You can get it there. You've also got the snack sack. If you want to put my sack on your back for your next snack attack, boom. Sound like a damn fat Dr. Seuss right now. You can listen to all, you can get all that at Casio'sCuts.com. We've also got our first koozie is up, many different designs, and we will be adding things um, uh, as soon as we can uh, come up with them and get them up there. And if you want something specific, if you maybe you see one of the logos we've already got out, you want to see it on a different merchandise, let me know, and we will make it happen. That's Casio'sCut.com. Merchandise headquarters for everything that is Casio's Cut podcast. Casio'sCuts.com. Without further ado, let's talk about the man that has all the heat on him right now, the one, the only, the big man himself, FMK Matt Coon. It is time for you to set the record straight, brother. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing today? It's good to finally get on Casio's Cut, the most talked about new podcast in the world today. Total engagement right here, my friend. It's like a, this is like Chicago PD and Chicago Fire. It's a crossover episode. It's like the old comic books. I remember we had one where Spider-Man and Superman fought, <laughs> and now we have me and you. It, it's the same thing, same level. Okay, so if you're listening and somehow you don't know who Matt Coon is, you are the host of your own podcast, Total Engagement with Matt Coon. Uh, some people now uh, know the initials FMK. Uh, that is a lovely game called Fuck, Mary Kill. It is now turned into an abbreviation for Fuck, Matt Coon. Thanks to Conrad Thompson. Uh, for sure. Conrad's been really great at giving me a lot of opportunities and giving a lot of people a lot of reasons to make fun of me. He, he's a great guy, as you know. <laughs> no, he's you're supposed to blast him right there. Am I supposed to blast him? You can't do that with him. You know that. Like, you've known him for like 10 years, right? Yes. Have you ever seen anybody get up over, like, win against no. that guy? You ever no, seen it? No, because if you go, if you throw a hand grenade, he just comes back with the the mother of all bombs and destroys your city. And he's already got it in the chamber, like ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not fucking with that. Oh yeah, I, he's I got go. napalm waiting on for everybody. <laughs> I learned very early on just to go. All right, Conrad, fine. Because so, I 
I'm not, I don't think of myself as a dumb guy or a guy who's not good at comebacks, but he's just too quick. So it did, did take long for me to go, yeah, fuck Matt Coon. You're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're into podcasting now. So I want to kind of run the gamut. First of all, how did you get into your own show? I take it, uh, hooking up with Conrad was your first step. Did you have anything going on before all of that? Absolutely not. I'm just, I'm a musician and I did music for the shows. I met Conrad. I went to his house. I think he had what must have been the most boring evening of his life, just hanging out with me at his house. We weren't drinking or anything. And he mentioned to me, he said, you should do a podcast. And to, to have the greatest podcaster, wrestling podcaster, at least one of the greatest podcasts in the world, just say, you should do a podcast after meeting me. I guess he said, you know, thought I had a good voice or whatever. Uh, he's the one who got me into podcasting. And a few months later, I get a cold call from Terry Runnels, who wants to do a podcast with me. And that all came from Conrad. Conrad got me into all these different shows. I never did any radio, never did any voiceovers. The first time I ever spoke publicly, I think, was a, a plug on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. This was all Conrad 100%. But, but let's back up. How do you... You gotta you gotta rewind on how are you getting to Conrad's house? How is how are you getting music on the show to get involved and get your foot in? How does this all start? It's it's a crazy thing. I'm a wrestling fan. I was hanging out with my girlfriend one day. Yeah, I did have a girlfriend. You once. had a girlfriend? And, and, yeah, I, it's crazy, right? Think about burying uh, the lead. It, it was a long time ago. Though. <laughs> I mean, it was a severely long time ago. And I remember telling her, I want to get more involved in wrestling because I like wrestling. Matthew and I go to wrestling. I'm going to do something. She's like, whatever. And then as opportunities come, you know, I saw a tweet by Conrad who I followed because I like the Ric Flair show. And I started listening to something to wrestle with, which I thought was fantastic. And he said, I need a song. Can anybody find me this song? And so I DM'd him and I said, hey, man, I'm a fan. I'm a listener. I can't find you the song, but I can make it for you. But I had all my recording equipment in a closet. I hadn't used it in years. And I pull it all out. I make him a song. He liked that. Next thing I know, I'm on a three-way call with Bruce Pritchard about a theme song. I guess they liked that. And then the next thing I know, he said, I need someone to produce these shows. And I'm very proud of the fact that the year I was on it, he they got the Sports Illustrated Podcast of the Year. I don't think that had anything to do with me, but <laughs> it was something I'm really proud of. And it, it, the relationship grew from there, and then I was in uh, Nashville, and I had a day free, and I came by, and Conrad's like, uh, come on by the house. And so we hung out. We got to know each other. I'd say we became friends, but that was before he just started completely destroying me at all times. So you made the po you made the theme song for Something to Wrestle with Bruce, Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. That's, I, that's I your made first the theme real project. Absolutely, and, and I took it really seriously uh, because I loved the show. I knew it was an opportunity. I worked really hard on it. I spent, I mean, the amount of hours I spent on it was just stupid, but people really liked it. And then when I got the opportunity to do the Tony Schiavone shows theme, uh, people really liked that as well. And if, if you listen to Arn Anderson podcast, I did that. Also got to do some music for Starcast and for Chelsea Green at All In. And I want to do more music. If I had my choice of what I'd do, it'd be quit podcasting and do music. But I, I also love podcasting too. Chelsea Green, for those who don't know, is a wrestler, and you did her theme music for that uh, show you're talking about. Yeah, it was an independent show that drew 10,000 people, and I got a DM from her boyfriend, Zach Ryder, who is a WWE wrestler, and he said, hey, man, how much to do a song? And I just lowballed it because I wanted to do it, and I they ended up liking it. And 
since then, I haven't done too many other wrestling themes, but I'm looking into doing it because I love doing that kind of music. So you would do it? You just it, the opportunity hadn't arisen. Absolutely, and you know, an opportunity for guys like me and probably guys like you, definitely guys like Conrad. We don't really get them as much as we create them. So I kind of go with the old Steve Martin, you know, philosophy: be so good they can't ignore you. Right. So the opportunity's not there, but I believe we can make our own opportunities in anything. So you um, are working with Bruce Pritchard. You're, uh, you know, doing music for him. Uh, you're doing music for WHW, um, and the the FMK kind of came into place when you, like you mentioned, you decided to leave, or you know, not like you're a mad leave, but you've decided to part ways and do your own thing from uh, W from uh, something to wrestle with. Correct. Yeah, you know, I, I had opportunities at that time where I was doing a couple different podcasts. The opportunities just kept coming, you know, from Dutch Mantel to Medusa. And I'm not a great collaborator. I'm not a great someone who has ever worked with other people. I'm mostly someone who does his own thing. And something to wrestle with wasn't really my thing. It was somebody else's thing. And and I like doing things that I have ownership of. And as much as I love those guys – I never felt like I was, you know, like I was a big part of the success because I wasn't. And I wanted to be part of something I could be a big part of the success for. So I decided to bet on myself. And uh, it's gone terribly, as you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I just, I, you know, but but that's just who I am. I have no regrets about it. But um, I, the opportunities, I maintain the friendship with Conrad. Is Ter- Terry Ronalds, uh, former wrestler, WCW, WWE, uh, is that the first one you jumped to? Yeah, that's the first one I did. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea uh, how to do a podcast. All I knew was I would just copy Conrad, right? Copy everything Conrad Thompson did. And I did that. And I know I've done a few different podcasts from uh, Terry Reynolds to Medusa, Dutch Mantel, Robbie E., Johnny Fairplay. And and Conrad always gives me a hard time or says that I ruin <laughs> podcasts or I quit podcasts. And out of all those, I would say I actually just quit two and the rest just kind of dried up. So I'm not sure if I'm a bad person or a failure. It depends how you look at it. Uh, with Robbie E., that podcast did great, but Robbie E. got signed to the uh, WWE with Dutch Mantel. He had kind of a falling out with the people involved in that podcast. He just stopped doing it. But a couple of them, it was a situation, dude. I'm 47 years old. I get to choose who I want to work with. My day job supports me and my family. I run a music school. So I don't necessarily have to be doing things I don't want to do. And it might be immature, but at 47 years old, I don't have many years left. I'm going to do what I like to do. Yeah. 47 in your size. You definitely don't have many years left. I got like a good three, three, <laughs> four. <laughs> you will have I, the biggest 50th party. If you make it there, brother, we will all uh, be celebrating that. I'm literally like a medical miracle. You know, I, you know, the doctor's like, are you sure you don't have drop foot? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I don't have, are you sure you don't have diabetes? I'm pretty sure I don't have diabetes. And they go, how, how is that possible? You're like me, blood type gravy. Uh, okay. That's us. Um, so you didn't mention, you mentioned, you know, a Dutch kind of, uh, you know, went his own way and and it kind of dried up. You left out to me a Terry and Johnny Fairplay. Do you leave those with bad blood? Either one of them? Not, not either. Johnny wanted to do more with a podcast. I didn't think it was something I wanted to spend my time doing. Just the podcast itself, not Johnny personally. You were doing a, Terry, a specific Survivor podcast, to beginning with him. 
and Johnny's a survivor legend. Right. And for me, if I don't see the outcomes being where I want them to be, it's not something I love to do. I took that over from Conrad. It was a great opportunity at the time, but it just wasn't going to reach the audience I wanted to reach. With Terry, it was just I didn't want to work in that situation. We just really had different styles. Same with Medusa. Um, you know, we had different styles. We had different things we wanted to do. I don't think we left with bad blood. And I actually got to work with both of them after that. And I, I don't want bad blood with anybody. So anybody I don't do podcasts with, I have done a ton of stuff for afterwards just to make sure there's no bad blood. When I see Medusa, Terry Runnels, they're always very nice. They've done a lot of nice things for me and Matthew. And I've done a lot of things for them. You know, it doesn't always have to be a bad uh, relationship, although at first sometimes it gets a little rancorous. <laughs> Rancorous? Is that what you said, said? Rancorous, yeah. Like, you know, it, 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 it can be a little dicey at first when you stop working somewhere. You Rancorous. Know? What are, that's the first time that word's ever been on this podcast and probably the last. It's the most syllables ever been said in a word. Especially on, on this podcast. <laughs> Rancorous. Uh, I thought that was a dinosaur. Um, all right, so we're talking to Matt Coon. Uh, you now total engagement. And a uh, very interesting format. Um, I've thought about, uh, I've actually toured around with the idea as well. Uh, you do a daily podcast, uh, and instead of the normal hour-long format-ish, uh, unless you're Conrad when they're three to four hours, um, you actually do yours uh, every day. Is it every day or just Monday through Friday? It was Monday. It was every day, but I just went to Monday through Friday because people don't listen to podcasts on weekends, much they do during the day. Mm -hmm. It's a short format, 10, 15 minutes. And I think, you know, you're a talented guy. You know, Conrad's super talented guy. My talent lasts about 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> so I figure I get in, I tell my joke like George Costanza, I leave the room. And people really like it. I was really shocked at Starcast how many people came up to me and said, literally, they, they say, love the format. Well, that's good. You know, that's a, me and you have had talks before. It's a great format. And, um, you know, every, every podcast format kind of has its pitfalls. The one I do, um, I, and you've been in this situation before, if it's solo, yeah, it's weekly, but you've got to have a guest and line up and have time to both of your schedules match up and have a guest every single week, which to me is the hardest part of this particular format. And then with you, uh, no matter what you got going on, at some point you're going to have to sit down and record a podcast every single day, uh, just like we were talking and and listened to uh, your episodes that you just did. We both just got back uh, from Starcast Four in Baltimore, and you know you're everybody else is doing whatever they want to do, and you've got to find time at some point to record a podcast, get it like you like it, and then up upload it and do the whole deal. So it kind of has its all pitfalls, but it, it's. Uh, it's a very interesting format, and I'm 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 observing from afar, and glad it's been successful for you. And again, this is a Conrad idea. This was not an idea I came up with. It was an idea he pitched when I worked with Medusa, and we tried it a little bit. But as you said, it's got some pitfalls. I think with a daily, you can't have guests because, dude, like you and I are good friends, and you and I would do anything for each other's success. And even you and I had trouble lining up times right. to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like lining up guests and try doing it with Sabu. You know what I'm saying? Like try, <laughs> try, try. You can't make a show, much less a podcast. <laughs> so with Sabu, it was the greatest. I, I was talking to him and I did a great interview with him. 
but he was going back and forth. He didn't understand time zones. So he goes, okay, so it's nine o'clock there. So it's six o'clock here, but he was doing it backwards. And he's like, okay, I'll see you at nine. And he's like, don't you mean six? And I go, no, 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 you're on the West coast. It's like this. And then he goes, sorry, fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like he was saying he was fucked up. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> Uh, so, but, but you have, uh, you know, I was looking through your archives, you keep, you keep most of them to, I would say what, 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. I'd even go shorter. Like talking to Conrad about that. when I was going 15, 20 minutes, he's like, Coon, no one wants to hear about your day. Just get to your <laughs> shit and get out. And he's told, so I'm trying to tighten them up to 10 minutes, 10, 15 but minutes you, tops. But you have interviews in there that go longer. I do. I do interviews. I'm doing less and less interviews. I just go by what the downloads say. People tend to like it when I'm talking about wrestling and I'm doing so passionately and I'm talking about, um, you know, using my own viewpoint and talking from a human level. I've noticed more than anything. I've done interviews that have done less than me just bullshitting about AEW. So I think I'm going to go with that. And the reality is, you know, Conrad says he's just a fan. I kind of ripped that off and say I'm just a fan. But that's what I am, and I'm trying to connect with other fans and just have a fan podcast. So why do people hate you? Oh, my God. Did you say why do people hate me? Yeah. That's the funniest thing. Like (laughs) Conrad just made up the hate out of the blue. Like it was literally out of nothing. He just decided to hate me, you know, and so he's, I'm at his, I'm at his house. It was the first weekend I met you. It was two years ago. I want to say Labor Day weekend. So it was before all this, all this all in stuff started and he's just dogging me, dogging me, dogging me. And then Larry comes to me, Conrad's dad. Yeah. And he's like, and he like sits down next to me. He's all engaged looking. He's like, so Matt, why do people hate you? And I'm like, <laughs> But to be honest, there are some people who have good reason to hate me. You know, I've I worked with Vince Russo, and so a lot of people just hated me instantly because of that. Um, I uh, tend not to back down on internet chat, internet back and forth. I don't put up with bullies, and I also know that most of these people can't kick my ass, and most of these people won't fight me. So I'm not going to be bullied, and also I don't know when to shut up sometimes too. <laughs> FMK is going to start standing for fight, Matt Coon, and there's going to be a line. Oh, my God. But you know what's funny is you meet these people, uh, and, and whether it's uh, you know someone like Bruce Mitchell, who I've got into it online with, who's a friend, but we get into it, or whether it's Jim Cornette. When you meet these people in person, there ain't none of that. It's always like, ha, ha, everything's all good, ha, ha, ha. And so <laughs> wrestling is the home of the beta males, you know, like not uh, the wrestlers themselves. Go. Not the wrestlers themselves, but a lot of the fans are just betas that sit home. And can you imagine the process in making a fake account so you can talk crap about somebody? I mean, can you even imagine how much you must have to hate yourself to do that? Well, isn't that that the guy that um, Stephen P. knew that claims he's a lawyer? Is that a fake guy for Jim Cornette? (laughs) That's what somebody said. I don't think he was, but again – with a Stephen P. New or somebody, he's him and Cornette are people that are much more well known than me. Ran into Joey Janela, you know. I talked to and Janela's a great. He's a wrestler with AEW, if you don't know, and he's a wrestler who Jim Cornette has railed against. And we talked about that, and I said, "Hey, let's take a picture of us both flipping off the camera." 
and say it's to Jim Cornette. He said, oh, that's funny. And we did that, and Stephen P. News stuck up. And surprisingly, much like Jim Cornette, he had to go right to a homophobic slur, which was was not really a slur, but a homophobic insult, which to me was fantastic because now that's all I'll talk about. That's who he is from now on. Anytime <laughs> I refer to him, anytime I say anything, that's who he is. And also a lot of fat jokes, Cassio. You should be offended too. Just tons of – none of them funny, but lots of fat jokes. Uh, look, I, I do them in my stand-up set, uh, but still – there's not a fat joke that hadn't really been done. It's just a remix. They're all a remix. Uh, so, so what started the, what started the first beef with you and Cornette? Because I, I look, I, I've never met Cornette in my life. Um, I, of course, you know, a fan like everybody else that was into wrestling, uh, growing up and, uh, then, Hey, he's got a catchy song. Um, on his podcast now it's a it's a very successful podcast what started the beef the initial beef with you and jim Cornette? here's the thing right i got a job with vince russo imagine this so all these guys melter wade keller all these wrestling reporters jim Cornette, a lot of other people immediately as soon as i get this gig with vince russo hate me right away i didn't do any imagine being a fan and getting the opportunity when someone calls you and says, Hey, I want you to be my Conrad Thompson. Mm-hmm. Who's going to turn that down? I'm not right. turning that down. What an opportunity for me. Right. But Cornette literally, um, uh, started cursing me out up and down on Twitter without me saying a word to him. And then, um, I wrote him an email because at that time I was stupid enough to think, okay, these guys can hate Russo. They don't have to hate me because my job with Russo was to argue with him. You know, so You're I wrote creating a nice content. Email. Right, exactly. So like I wrote I wrote Cornette like the nicest email ever, and he wrote me, oh my god, it was like ten pages of the most beautiful, well put together profanities and curses you've ever seen in your entire life. So that's where we left it. And then maybe six months ago, I was in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia. And some friends of mine brought Cornette in for a show. They're with a two-man power trip of wrestling. And we're having dinner together. And then he goes, oh, shit, dude, Cornette's over there. Do you guys have heat? And I'm like, heat with Jim Cornette? And I look at him. I'm like, man, whatever. And I walk up to him, introduce myself, shake his hand. It's all good. We're all good. But at the same time, I'm like, this motherfucker could talk to me on Twitter. Can I curse on your show? Yeah, I don't I don't mean this as, an, as a slide against you. I, I, I seriously am asking the question. Did, did he realize who you were? I mean, does he, I mean, he cusses everybody. It's not like sometimes somebody can get lost in the shuffle. I cussed, you know, to him, he's cussed everybody out. He specifically knew you were Matt Coon from Vince Russo, the one that he sent a 10 page curse word to. He did not know it until I shook his hand. And you said, and I'm Matt Coon. Know, yeah. I introduced myself and he had a, he had a choice right there. He could have pulled his hand away and said, fuck you. And like, I'll kick, but nope. It was like, oh, ha, 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 you're a guy that you work with, such a piece of shit. We're selling his T-shirts. And right then I knew. I was like, okay, either it's a work or he's also very old. You know, uh, he's not a guy who's going to fight anybody. But then, you know, a few months later go by and then we're we're at it again. Um, He wants to call me names and stuff. And I'm not going to put up with a bully. Plus, you know, fuck that guy, you know, for real. Like he's he's a shitty person. Well, you, well, now you've got, uh, after your Joey Janela picture, you now, like you said, have even more heat, and his supposed lawyer is tweeting you. Oh, that was fantastic, wasn't it? 
I mean, how does a lawyer come at you when you have a picture with Joy Janela and think that you're, the go-to insult is you're gay? That's the go-to insult when you're gay. Like you know, you're you're a comedy, you're a comedian, you're a comedy, you're a comedy and a comedian. Yeah, I am a comedy. But how is it? You know, you going on stage and you insulting. You know, like you do that shit. All the comedians do that shit where they see the guys in the front row and they go, "Oh, you know, you're fucking fat or whatever." You can't go. You look gay. Like you can't. That's not a thing anymore. You can't say that. You can't demean somebody by insinuating that they're homosexual. Like it's, it's not, and it shouldn't be a thing. And it's not. And this guy goes right to that, and then he goes right to fat jokes. He must be the dumbest lawyer that's ever lived in the entire world, in the history of the world. <laughs> I was trying to bring up. He's now uh, so Coons, uh, Jim Cornette has now blocked you. Uh, yes, and threatened to whip your ass, basically. Yeah. Yes, he said that Stephen P. New would have to bail him out the next time he sees me. And you got to understand, I'm going to go off a little bit. I'm going to do it on on my show, which you should listen to after this show. But um, do you watch The Sopranos? Yes. Jim Cornette's like the most Corrado Soprano-looking motherfucker you ever seen now. Like he's just (laughs) this old guy. He's sitting with three other old guys talking a bunch of shit, can't do nothing. Can't have nothing to back it up at all. He just he's he said pull you out of get me out of bail with what I do to you. What's he going to do to me? Make me some soup? Because he is an old man, and there's nothing he can do. And I don't want to get too personal. There's nothing wrong with being old. He's lived a very full life. But if you're going to look like that frail and threaten people, it's kind of a joke. So to be specific, uh, Stephen uh, P. New is the apparent Twitter handle. Um, and he is apparently the lawyer for Jim Cornette, and he tweeted after your Janelle pick, quote, all but hurt. I'm sure you and KY Jelly just had a nice romantic weekend. Bless your heart. So the thing is, is that Jelly is what Cornette and his partner, Brian Last, who got into it with Janella, they call, that's Joey Janella's nickname. They call him Jelly Janella. And he's responding to a picture of me with Joey. So he's not saying go jack off with some KY jelly. He's because <laughs> what I mean, what, what's the insult in that, right? He's saying, I hope you and Jelly, and he nicknamed him KY because he's obviously a genius. Um, he said, I hope you guys have a romantic weekend together. And if you want to look at that thread, you go on my Twitter at Matt Coon Music. Look at the thread of me and Stephen P. New. I don't know about you, but I don't even think I'd begin to hire somebody who got outsmarted so badly by a guitar player <laughs> from Virginia. What the hell? Like, well, he, does, he has a degree. I don't even... Uh, anyway. The lawyers I know wouldn't pop off on Twitter to begin with. <laughs> or advertise on a wrestling podcast. <laughs> like, well, literally, first, that's how out. you know who he is. <laughs> time out. If there's any lawyers listening that want to advertise, <laughs> come on with it. Um, I'm not going to knock that. I'm just saying it, it was shocking to me. I mean, that, usually the lawyer is telling his client... Not to pop off on Twitter. So and he, he's saying things like that, right. like, give give me a reason to sue you. I can't wait to have a reason to sue you. I mean, it, it, I, I literally tweeted him back and said, this tweet is public. Like, <laughs> I think that uh, Cornette breeds a certain type of individual who thinks they can say whatever they want. It's, it's really ironic because um, Cornette's a Trump hater, right? Okay. He hates Trump. He split off his whole audience by saying anybody who likes Trump is bad. It's crazy because I and you know we live in the South. We know lots of good people on both sides of the coin, 
And to say that we don't want any part of that or we hate everybody, it's crazy. But Trump is a guy, you have to agree, who when he says something, he doubles down on it. He doesn't – it doesn't matter what it is. He owns it. He doesn't back off. Cornette is exactly the same way. And it doesn't – but he's not president of the United States. He's just the president of his own fan club um, with a – you know, on his podcast. It's ironic to me that he's so similar to Trump in that way. So is he – you don't have heat with any of your former co-hosts. You have somewhat heat um, with Conrad Thompson. <laughs> you have fire heat right now with the Cornette camp. Is that it? Is there anybody else walking around that you have serious heat with? I would say the Vince Russo fans. I would say. Not Vince uh, Russo himself. Not Vince Russo himself. I mean, Vince is Vince. If you want to know who Vince Russo is, listen to his show. That's who he is. He, he's not capable of putting on airs. Um, but his fan base, he's also not someone who's going to stick up and, and do what's right either sometimes. He's not going to like stick up against a fan base that's, that's doing hateful things. But honestly, his fan base is composed of a bunch of people. Not all the fan base, a small segment of an of a audience are the people I said that literally log out of their Twitter, make up a new Twitter, change my name to make fun of me. And that's their day. That's what they do. That's their life. They, they obsess about Matt Coon because they're just jealous. They wish they were where I was. You have fake Matt Coon accounts. What's that? You have, there's fake Matt Coon Twitter accounts. Yeah. There's like 10 of them. Or like you're, you know, one of them is because she cry a lot. And one of them, you know, the fat guy and whatever. I think that's a sign of success. Dude. I love it. I love it. I block them because I, you know, I don't want to get them over, but I mean, there was a good four month period where my mentions were out of control because these guys were putting me over all the time. Oh, Vince Russo's fans hate Matt Coon. Oh no. That's so terrible for me. You know, like everyone well, what, knows what's their, crazy. what's their hate that you left. Uh, their hate is that they felt that I was undermining Vince Russo's success in the podcast world. And that also I went after his co-host a little bit and uh, on, on his other shows and they just felt like I wasn't one of them. I wasn't someone who just signed off on Vince's stuff. They never really got what I did. And also, they were part of the reason. They were the cancer that made it impossible for us to have a large audience. The Vince Russo show had a listenership similar to my show I have now. And I don't have Vince Russo. It's just me. Well, I was going to re- – that was one of the questions I was going to ask. One of the hate you, you mentioned is they think you undermined his success – uh, and you don't have to get into specific numbers. That's not what that is about. But um, you've seen the numbers. How are the numbers pre you compared to when you're both together to compared to now when you've split off? Well, I, I'll say that I did not know what he did uh, before me, but I know that when we started the show, it was the new Vince Russo show. It was a new format. Some people were excited. Some people wanted to see it. It never did great numbers. It never exceeded my best shows on total engagement. It never got a fraction of what Conrad gets on his shows. I'm not exaggerating. And when I left, the first show went down 50% and then it went down 75%. And, um, you know, and then it leveled off maybe at about, I don't know, 40% of what it was before I left, before it got canceled by Westwood One. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to sling that in. I love Roll Tide. I think I you're like, supposed to yell Go Tigers since they got beat this week. How great is it that people say Roll Tide as like this universal, 
like positive affirmation and they don't even know anything about Alabama yeah. just because Conrad says it. It's just that. And also, I would like you to attest to Conrad's fandom of said Roll Tide since we were late for a pay-per-view due to him watching at the hotel. How, how What did the score end up being? Uh, LSU won by five. Oh, my God. So you guys were coming back on that. Yeah, uh, they went up big, and we were all about to leave with like a minute and 30, and we were getting our check from the hotel bar, and uh, Alabama basically hit an 80-yard pass on the first play to get back in it. Um, couldn't get, some complete... hope, get some hope going. Yeah, well, yeah, make us more late for the pay-per-view. Um, because that was great, because we're at the bar, and there's some wrestler guys around us, because Conrad's got a lot of friends, and and Alabama's just getting killed at the half point, at, or at the half point, at, at halftime, right? <laughs> yeah. And so he go, I go, wow, this isn't – I didn't even say anything because I didn't want to trigger Conrad. But he's like, Coon, you don't know shit about football. This is exactly where we want to be. We're lulling them into a false sense of security. <laughs> no one makes better halftime adjustments than our coach. Coon, you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. This is exactly where we want to be right now. My favorite is, just like you said, there were uh, people – I know for a fact – that uh, Big Booty Judy, my loving wife, is a diehard Bama fan as well. But the, I would say 90% of the many, many people sitting at probably three or four tables all around us, 90% were not Bama fans, but didn't want to say any any smack talk because they knew it was Conrad's team. Conrad, people don't know. Like, people don't <laughs> know how just quick he is and how clever he is, how funny he is. And just when he gets uh, going, you don't, you just want to stay out of his sight. It's like a school shooter. You know what I'm saying? You get under oh. a table, you hide in a closet. You don't want to be seen. You don't want to be noticed. Matt, you, you did a school shooter joke. It's, it's, it, <laughs> really? This, this is, just, this is what you went with. I went with school shooter because I was thinking, that con I got nothing. I got nothing. I shouldn't have clip clip that no. <laughs> What's ironic is this is now your you best get show more hate. Now you get more hate. I am against school shootings. Okay. I'd like to go on record as that. <laughs> yes. But it's it's similar if there was a madman in the bar with a gun, it's very similar to that when Conrad's on a roll because he'll just look at somebody and just talk about their shoes or whatever. <laughs> and then the whole night is about their shoes. And then the next week you'll hear about your shoes on what happened when, <laughs> and then there'll be tweets about your shoes, and then you'll be somewhere, and then you'll be in line. Someone will be like, hey, man, I heard about your shoes. <laughs> like, Conrad is not just good, he's just powerful. Well, uh, look, people think, and I believe there's a t-shirt now, that I say, Reese's Pieces, uh, thanks to Conrad and Tony Schiavone. So people, people think I killed, tried to kill Tony Schiavone. You did. Like, people... You didn't save him. Can we agree on that? I did save him. I was there. I I pulled him out of his panic all by myself. No, but for you some said reason, the ice would melt. Let's leave him be. <laughs> How does a guy <laughs> choke on Coke Zero? How does that even happen? But that's the example. Conrad's so funny. He told a joke, and then fucking Tony just started dying right in front of us. That's how powerful his jokes are. He kills people with his jokes. He right. should get in a comedy. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to pull the curtain back, but I, I think that's one of his bucket list things. I think one of his, uh, 
one of his maybe, you know, birthdays, he wants to like, but he wants to go incognito and try an open mic night, which I think he would be widely successful at. You know, since the wrestling fans know him, he just needs to go to a bar that has a lot of women and then no one will know who he is. <laughs> That's a solid one. Uh, Matt Coon, the inventor of walking queso. You called me walking queso. Yeah, we were walking. You were walking and, uh, no, you were you were obsessed about getting some queso. Like it didn't matter what kind of restaurant we went to. We're like, can we get sushi? You're like, is there queso? We're like, can we get? We were pizza? yeah. It was in queso? Las Vegas for Starcast. And, and then I go, uh, I go. You're walking queso. And let me. Your wife loved that joke so much. If I had an audience of one that night, your <laughs> wife was loving all of my Casio material. Like Corey the Forrester Cas- liked it too. Oh, Corey's the best. Corey's funny. I'll say only comedians think I'm funny. Like no one thinks I'm funny. Conrad doesn't think I'm funny. Bruce doesn't think I'm funny. Silva doesn't think I'm funny. But like Corey <laughs> and you and freaking Taylor and all these great comedians for some reason, maybe it's just pity or something. They're like, oh, just look at him. Look at him trying. Well, everybody funny. does think that. We do, we all say look at him. But it's oh, in all different that. modes. Look um, at hey, go ahead. I was going to say we had a good time at the aquarium. Me and you. And Matthew and Big Booty Judy, we went to the Baltimore Aquarium. And I don't know about – this is the most surprising thing. If you look at Casio, he does not – like you're not going to think there's a guy who's fit, right? That's not He's not a guy who's fit. <laughs> like that's not your – like this no, is a guy – No, there's a lot of thoughts that hit you before that. <laughs> but Casio ha- speed walks everywhere. And so I'm, we're all just out of breath, uh, <laughs> leaning on a, on a tank full of dolphins, while Casio is just scooting on, smoke coming out of his feet. You are the fastest walker. <laughs> what did my wife say? My wa- I, just, I heard my wife way behind me uh, as she was with y'all, and she just said, he does it all the time. <laughs> yeah, he's, he leaves me. me. Matthew looked at me like he was seeing something at Ripley's, believe it or not. He's like, how? <laughs> How does that – oh, the best thing about Matthew, of course, you know my son. He goes with me to everything. He's 17. And so when we first met – when Matthew first met you at StarCast 1 in Chicago, I go, okay, this is uh, Casio. This is Judy. And um, and so we walk away, and Matthew goes, who's Judy, right? And I go, that's Casio's wife. And Matthew goes, how? <laughs> <laughs> she says that, all- and I say it too. Like we do this kind of joke, like it's funny, even if someone has like a wife that's not super awesome and attractive, we always say, oh, she's so much more beautiful than you are. Oh, you outkick your coverage or, oh, you're a good salesman. We'll say it about anybody, really. Right. And then like Jay-Z is – Jay-Z Flair, who's another listener to these podcasts, he's a friend of ours. He's a decent-looking guy. He's got a super attractive wife. But when it comes to you, Casio, no one has outkicked their coverage I don't think anybody I've ever known <laughs> across species more than you. Your wife is a, a supermodel, and you're you're Cassio. Her flaw is she uh, she loves deadly animals. Uh, we have basically a, a den of death creatures uh, with tarantulas, uh, snakes, lizards, cockroaches. We have a pit bull, a wolf. So basically, you know, uh, we have a bearded dragon lizard. To deal with to deal with Big Booty Judy and to look at her when she's in her bathrobe, I have to be surrounded by animals that can kill me at all times. 
I think you're missing something here. You're saying she's attracted to horrific, scary, different <laughs> things, hairy, weird. That makes I, I think know. that makes sense. I think there's a, a pattern here. I mean, I don't I don't want to get too specific, but not she doesn't have hairy problems. I mean, tarantulas are hairy. Uh, a little bit, yeah. That's it. Well, the wolf is hairy. I, 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 I'm more like the bearded dragon, scaly uh, snake, uh, and pit bull who has the fine hair. Let's just go with there. I'm not so, a hairy guy. I'm not a hairy guy either. I, I have, I'm not a hairy I have like seven chest hairs. Like, I feel like if I lost weight, they're all under the skin. It just takes... A hair's got to grow so long for it to get out of our epidermis. It's ridiculous. I think that's what it is. It's like a struggle. It's like <laughs> underneath the skin, there's just an afro because it's it's blocked. It's blocked <laughs> by, by pork fat and bacon grease. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, Coon, um, you don't really have heat anybody besides Cornette, I feel like. We've established right. that. Oh, and the Vince Russo fans. But not... Yeah. Like if you saw Vince Russo out, would you would you would you and him have heat? Oh no, we're good. We're good. Yeah, so you're you're pretty good. Um you don't have heat with me, like we said, we went to the aquarium. Oh, that's um, lovely. My favorite moment of the um Starcast trip in Baltimore, Starcast four we just got through with, is on the way to the aquarium, we walked past a park in the middle of Baltimore, and you said, hey, right around this corner, guys. And you got really serious. It's me, you, Big Booty Judy, my wife, and your son, Matthew. And you said, guys, right around this corner. It's one of the best parks in the world. It's a beautiful public park in Baltimore. And me and my son came here many years ago and had one of the best days of our lives. We made music a- in the park. There's a standing xylophone. There's instruments everywhere. We made music. We created songs. We we let the world hear us sing together. We had the best day of our life. And it's right around this corner. And we turn the corner, and you say, look at it. Look at this park. We should go <laughs> in the park. It's awesome. And without even hesitation, just a kid Matthew would just 100% being honest, looks at it and says, oh, yeah, I remember this park. This park sucked. <laughs> it was the worst moment of my life. It was the worst moment of my you life. Had these, you had these father-son memories and all the, the whole memory. It's like he agreed with you, and then he saw the park and was like, wait, oh, no, no. This is the worst <laughs> park I've ever been to. I was just going on and on. It was the most beautiful time. I remember, you know, like I was struggling and it was a day that was a beacon of, of, of sun in a dark week in a dark life. And we had this moment we shared together. And my <laughs> son's like, that fucking sucked. He's just counting down seconds to get out of there. You're like, do you remember the xylophone? He's like, no, I remember this park sucked. It's the worst park ever. God. He crushed was, you. He crushed he, you. Fatherhood is tough. Fatherhood's tough. I mean, uh, ask your wolf. It's tough. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me ask you some of the uh, quick questions before we get out of here. Uh, Absolutely. We've, we've had a fun time. You're a music guy, so I'll start with the music. Um, I've asked before, give me three albums you must have if you're stuck on a deserted island. 
Wow, three albums. You can only pick three. And you do have something to play them on, right? Yes. Okay, because that would be useless if you didn't. Yeah, I'm gonna let um, you. You'll be able to hear them, but you only get to pick three. They can be anything. All right. Well, I gotta have some Beatles. I gotta have some Beatles on there. I guess I'll go with Revolver by the Beatles. Okay. Because I think that's when they put that shit together, but it still wasn't super smooth like Abbey Road. It was pretty, really brilliant music. It's their most. Have, it's their most rock album, I would say. For sure, for sure. And also, you know, the Andrew Bird can sing with the double guitar lines. And then they actually put the recording stuff together. They started doing revolutionary uh, recording stuff. So the drum sounds on Tomorrow Never Knows and Paul McCartney, um, uh, the song for No One's beautiful song. Great album. And it's like Abbey Road is this masterpiece of just this masterpiece beginning to end. But um I think Revolver's is a little rough around the edges. I just dig it. Uh, I'd go with some Zeppelin. You got to have some Zeppelin. Mm. I'll go with maybe the live, the song remains the same because it's so long. It's not their greatest performance. It's a good performance, but there's so many good songs on there and you hear something different every single time. And it's really, to me, the peak of what jamming should be of what a a band does when they jam. Everybody tries to jam. That's the one where you recorded in New York. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic uh, album. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, we hear jam band all the time, you know, and very few people do it well. Like the Almond Brothers, I saw the Almonds with Dickie Betts and Warren Haynes, you know, because when you say Almond Brothers, you have to say who the guitarists are. And with those two, man, uh, I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne's a god, but Warren Haynes and Dickie Betts, that's a jam band, right? So that Zeppelin album, they have the, they have the best drummer, the best, um, bass player of all time Led Zeppelin does people always focus on the singer and the guitars but that's because they could do whatever the fuck they wanted because the other two guys were killing it the whole time Mm -hmm. uh third album's a little tough I think I gotta go a little bit lighter on that um I might go with T for the Tillerman by Cat Stevens whoa I love are you aware of that album Uh, yeah I didn't I didn't see it coming Oh, yeah, it's beautiful, man, like really emotional music. Music at its core is emotional. You know, like we we don't listen to music that we, we don't love music unless it can make us cry, make us laugh, give us chill bumps. And something about Cat Stevens, the way he sings his songs from Wild World or, you know, um, Father and Son, you know, these are songs that always evoke an emotion, peace train. It's really a strong album front to back. And I guess I'm a little bit older, but even when I was younger, I liked older music. So, um, and of course, if I had a few more, I could say a few more, but those are three on the top of my head. Of course, your favorite track, because it's basically your motto, but I might die tonight. Oh, what a great song. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Well, just Every- the title alone is your motto in life. That's basically, you want to have, yeah, I'll record a podcast with you, but I might die tonight. How about Cat Stevens, right? was in the ocean and had one of those moments we all have where we go, I'm going to die right now. Right. You know, like the waves going out and he made a deal with God on the, in the, in the ocean. He said, if you save me, I will quit music and dedicate my life to you. And then he did it. He just left. Amazing. He stopped. It's like, Hey, whatever. But you know, <laughs> that's like, that's like when you get back, you're like, I mean, look, I, I mean, do I got to go on Wednesday night and Sunday night too? Can I just hit that Sunday nine and go out of here? You're right, like, it's like, it's like when I say I'll go the whole week without Taco Bell, and I'll go, well, I can get a, t- I can get one taco. I can get one taco. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like, I'm not getting Taco Bell, and you find the other fast food taco place in town. 
You're like, I didn't say I couldn't do this. Uh, yeah, no. The, look, when you when you make a uh, when you make a pack with Jesus, it's a big move if you stick with it. I think you're going to be on the good side for a while. Oh, it, it wasn't Jesus though, Cassio. Excuse me. <laughs> it, it, it was the other guy. Let's just was... go. All right, I should back. When you make a pack with your higher power, whatever it is, right, right. I'll just do that. Uh, and then, so we got the albums. Uh, by the way, if you're going to pick Beatles, I would pick Revolver. Um, I don't know if I would have uh, Beatles in my top three. Um, Led Zeppelin, you catch me on a different week, I might pick a different album, uh, but I'm definitely going to have Led Zeppelin in my three albums if I get on a deserted island. Uh, my my coach, Jimbo, says that the actual song remains the same from that album um, is the greatest live song ever recorded. Possibly one of... Such- that is such an interesting take, right? I never even thought about that. He's, he thinks it's, I mean, it's one of his favorite songs ever. And I mean, you know, it's a fantastic song, but he he absolutely loves that particular song, that entire album, but that particular song, he's like, he, he'll put it up against anything. You know, they do play it at the speed of fucking light on that album. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's the song it's remains that, the same. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing... Uh, you know, and I was telling Matthew about the movie when we were, I'm like, he's like, is it just, is it just a concert or is it other stuff? I go, oh, oh, there's other stuff. <laughs> it's like there's plenty well, of other one stuff. Of them, one of them's a wizard. One of them's a Viking. It's fantastic. You got to see it. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, as a fat guy, you got to, you got to know uh, little Debbie Mount Rushmore. Um, of course, those. T-shirts are out now at CassiosCuts.com, um, Mount Rushmore shirts. What's on your Little Debbie Mount Rushmore, Matt Coon? Well, I got to tell you, I haven't had a ton of Little Debbie. Um, mm. You know, I, I don't know, and I'm actually Googling right now to see which ones are Little Debbie's. Oh, Does that count? no. That's terrible, right? Well, That's terrible. So, so let me ask you this, as you as you Google and kind of get your, your bullets ready. Because all fat sure, guys sure. are different. All fat people are different. We're not just, we don't just speak with one voice, Cassio. Now, we have several fat voices speaking for us. So why are you fat? Because all fat people have different. And I'm not talking <laughs> about, I'm not talking about, uh, we're getting into deep and going, I eat my feelings. I'm talking about, are you the guy that goes, th- you know, I'm going back for thirds on a meal. Are you a grazer? Are you sweet tooth? What's happening? It's turned into all of those things, right? As you get fatter, <laughs> it, it just it you become third buffet, and, and then the only reason you're not third third plate at buffet guy is because you don't want to be fat guy who's going up for the third plate, so you just get the big second plate, right? Yes. But I guess I would put it, it really peanut butter and cereal, like midnight snacks. That's what started it, man. Was what just you, like, all right. Well, so mid- how many? Let's take. Tomorrow, you know, a normal day. When are you, when are you eating cereal? Oh, that that was in the past. Now the issue is I eat out every meal. Like I never cook ever. Like Matthew and I have never had. We haven't had a home cooked meal in like four years. <laughs> like we order, we go to Wawa for breakfast. We uh, Wawa go out. Is, isn't that a gas station in your neck of the woods? Well, Wawa's like your. I don't know what you guys like. Almost like a. Do you have pilot? You have pilots down there, yeah. right? So it's like a gas. It's, it's like a souped-up gas station. 
Yeah, they can totally custom your food though. Like, so you you actually order food they make for you, and for breakfast, you know, you get donuts and coffee and that kind of stuff. We go out a lot to eat. We order in a lot. We never ever cook at home, and that's probably the main issue right now, uh, along with a very sedentary lifestyle. It's because the last time you cooked, you thought it was the greatest meal ever, and your son told you this meal sucks. I know, right? I'm like, do you remember that <laughs> lasagna I made? He's like, that shit sucked, Dad. Was that gluten-free? Because it, it was awful. It was the worst thing I've ever had. I just, <laughs> so you're not a sweets guy. I, I do love sweets. I And also, I got to tell you, like, I, I, I eat chocolate like every day. I, that's probably part of it now, too, is I just love chocolate so much. Well, like what kind of chocolate? I mean, when, if you're not eating the snack cakes, what do you eat? Oh, I, I'm a Hershey Hershey bar with almonds guy and a score bar guy. Reese's Pieces, not Reese's Pieces. Um, well, Reese's Pieces, I'll eat them, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. So you picking I them just, up from the Wawa, or are you going? We're going shopping for the week, and I'm just getting a bunch of snacks. Oh no, I we I couldn't keep that shit in the house. That shit would be gone in like two <laughs> seconds. It's a daily. So Matthew <laughs> drives. And so, like, it gets to be, like, 930, and he's like, you want me to go get something? I'm like, okay. And so we get, like, chocolate milk and chocolate. <laughs> so I, you I, do somebody, like sweets. Oh, I do love sweets. See, I do. But also, I do like good food, too. I don't like, you know, I like going out to good restaurants. Yeah, see, my, my problem with being fat is that I go hard on the meal. I'm, I'm coming in hot. Uh, <laughs> not that I won't eat sweets. But I also have the same problem like you mentioned. If it's in the house, I don't even care if I don't like it. It will get eaten. Oh, my God. So, it will be gone. Yeah, we have to shop for specific meals, and I have to tell myself, don't touch that. That is being cooked for a different meal. Does your does your wife get mad when she wakes up in the morning and see you had a smorgasbord the night before? See, I don't. That's one thing that uh, I'm different from is, uh, especially doing the morning show that I get up early, so I don't stay out too too late. Um, but I, I I don't go ham like late night. It's not like I get like you said a midnight snack or whatever. I, I'm I usually eat dinner and I'm pretty good after dinner. Now I'm gonna come in hot the next day. Uh, it's gonna get you know because I eat breakfast at you know five and then I I literally. I am eating my lunch at 10.01 when I get off the air. Oh, wow. But then it messes up the whole day. The problem is I'm hungry by 3. I know my wife, Big Booty Judy's not eating dinner till 5 or 6 at least. So you double, you double down. Yeah, so then I'm going, I need a snack, and then that's when I get into the danger zone. And so you have two meals. You have like a, a <laughs> yes. supper and dinner. Yes. Like right now, we have leftover Halloween candy. And I mean... Oh. What am I going to do? There's a bucket of Reese's on the counter. What, I mean, how am I not going to eat it? There's, it's, it's impossible. Like that, in my head, a, I wake up and I go, I usually get breakfast on the way to the radio station. I get in my head and I, as I'm getting everything ready, I'm like, well, I'll just eat a Reese's. It'll jumpstart me. I need to wake up for the show. It'll give me time. It's almost a responsible decision at that point in time to, to, eat, to eat a Hershey's. And then I tell myself, the faster I eat this bowl, the faster it will be out of the house. Not thinking, well, you've just gotten fat either way. It doesn't matter if it's a slow death or a fast death. Matthew used to bring home his Halloween candy, and I would just destroy it every night. <laughs> and he'd, like, he'd get in there one day and just be like jawbreakers and Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel does the prank where you tell your kids you ate your candy, and you're like, now that's real life, bro. 
<laughs> I made Matthew cry because I did eat all of his Halloween candy. Oh, I, I would eat his candy every because, and then I would tell myself, "Well, I'm eating it, and he's not, so it's actually better for him." All right, you've had time to get your your bullets ready. I'm I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. Give me some, give me some little debbies. So I definitely have to put the Swiss rolls up there. Swiss cake roll, have, okay. I cannot stand the oatmeal cream cakes or really? oatmeal cream cakes. Yeah, I don't like the oatmeal. You know, oatmeal is always that cookie to me that's trying to be the chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? What's well, a healthier version, supposedly? You ever eaten an oatmeal raisin cookie when you thought you had a chocolate chip cookie? Sure, it's not good. N- nothing's ever more disappointing than that. But you know, Nick Saban eats oatmeal cream pies for breakfast every single day. Really? It's oatmeal cream pies and coffee every day breakfast. Th- that's some that's some southern shit right there. Okay, so <laughs> honey buns are good, but like, I don't know, man. I'd rather get a fresh donut than a honey bun. You got to heat up. See if you, you got to heat up the honey bun. I'll tell you, I worked used to work in the projects, and kids in the projects love honey buns. That was like their favorite thing. In I, the housing projects, honey buns are big. I love the honey bun. I'll I'll quickly heat that up. That's a super. It's it's way better heated up. Um, some people say you got to freeze the Swiss cake rolls. Um, Nutty Buddies in the uh, cold are solid. Um, have you ever had a Christmas tree cake? I've never had a Christmas tree cake. Oh, Matt Coon. Is that the shit? Is that the shit? Matt Coon. See, the zebra cake is, some people put it on, and at one time I've probably had it on the Mount Rushmore. It's very good. The Christmas tree cake is a zebra tree, is a zebra cake. They just cut right. it in the shape of a Christmas tree and then put sprinkles on it. Sprinkles make the difference. So even you know though, see, so yeah, so you got, you kind of want to give respect to zebra cake as the OG. You know, and put it on the Rushmore because it's the OG. But then, right. realistically, if they're sitting side by side, you're probably going to go Christmas tree cake. I mean, it's like if you're making a baseball Mount Rushmore, you might pick, you know, Ryan Sandberg up there, even though Roberto Alomar was better, just because he was the first power hitting second baseman. Yeah, it's like that was your style. That's what got you started. You you wouldn't try the Christmas tree cake probably unless you knew how how good a zebra cake was. Now, and me, I, I like to go chocolate, you know, so I do like the Swiss rolls. Nutty Buddies, man, you just cannot beat that crispy, you know mm. what I'm saying? Wafer. You can't, you, you, the wafer, the wafer. Mm. They should make all food in wafer form. Chocolate and peanut butter. You got that with the wafer. Come on. I'm so old. I remember when they first put chocolate and peanut butter together. You know that? <laughs> Like I remember those commercials for Reese's. They were they had to sell they had to pitch people on it. They're like, hey, this tastes good. This um, tastes good. All right, so wait, wait, let's go. You've got Swiss cake on there. You're putting Nutty Buddy on there. Yeah, Swiss rolls for sure. Nutty Buddies for sure. I'm undecided about honey buns. Um, oh, the chocolate cupcakes are great. The chocolate cupcakes um, took the place of. You know when Hostess got bought, Hostess. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Were you going about to mix those up with the 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 regular chocolate cakes, chocolate cupcakes? No, no. Bill Debbie has those chocolate cupcakes like right. the old school Hostess cakes, yes. right? Those are great. Those are oh, those are better than the, than the Hostess ones were. And then, um, I guess I'll go with the honey bun because that's like to me the state. Like that's probably the most popular snack. I think that's the one that most people eat. Have you gotten some? data on what the most popular one is 
Uh, no, you've got, I mean, Nutty Buddy is pretty high. Oatmeal cream pie is pretty high. Swiss cake roll, um, and zebra cake. I mean, those are, uh, and Cosmic Brownie, I think there's, that's like their first line period. And then everything else blossomed out of that. You know, I'd never had a Cosmic Brownie, but looking at it now, I would probably eat the whole thing. I mean, it's basically a brownie. With tiny fake M and M's on it. Oh, that's fantastic. See, you know, I brought you some donuts. I don't think you had any. We had. I got some donuts, and I said they had sprinkles. I was trying to sell you on the donuts because sprinkles do make the difference. Sprinkles, they have a little texture. They have a little sweetness. <laughs> They're fantastic. Um, so you got to you got to get four. What are you going? Do you have you had the fudge round? I have the fudge rolls. I think I'm going with the ones that I've had, Swiss rolls. Okay. I'm going to go with the the um, chocolate cupcakes. Okay. I'm going to go with the Nutty Buddies, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go with the Honey Bun. So have you had the Boston cream pie? No, but I love a Boston cream pie donut. Well, they, they, have a, they have a Boston cream pie, and I figured you would go donut stick. Do, what is donut stick? Uh, it's really good at breakfast. It's basically just a, it's a cakey donut, you know, but it's in a rectangle and it's, it's glazed. It's not like a, uh, it's not like a Krispy Kreme, how it's kind of airy. It's very dense. Yeah. I don't go for the pre-made, pre-made donuts. I don't go for the, all donuts are pre-made. I don't, (laughs) I don't really go for the donuts that come in the box. I like my donuts to be in a case. I like the donut. I like to feel like someone worked on my donut recently. <laughs> someone, well, you know what I'm saying? I, if I could isolate that audio, I like to feel <laughs> like somebody worked on my donut recently. Absolutely. Uh, you've <laughs> that, also that, that's got, a, it's a great feeling. You've also got many muffins, so you don't like the donuts in the bag that they have. No, nothing. No, none of that. Matthew likes those. I can't do those. I need my donuts in a case. I need them to have, uh, and I don't like cake donuts. I like what are the big ones with the um, like? I like the bear, I like the bear claws. Bear claws are good, you know. Oh, and about, also, Krispy Kreme's great. What about the old spin wheel, which is the kind of a generic, a basic cinnamon roll? No, I don't go for those. I don't really go for this. I don't go for the cinnamon. All right, rolls. here's what I want. I, you, all right, so what we got? You're going. I'm going, uh, of course, the Swiss roll and nutty the Nutty buddy. buddy. Those are easy to go. And then you're going Honey, honey bun. bun and Chocolate Cupcake? Absolutely. I'll live with that. All right, here's what I need you to do. Sure. Because I want I, you to record gonna... it, and I want you to send it. We're going to add it to another to another preview, uh, to another podcast. Sure. I need you to try, because they're out now. I need you to try Christmas tree cake. Oh, that's happening. Uh, I need to get you on record for that. And I, I, I want you to, even though you, you like your donut to be worked on recently, sure. <laughs> recently, <laughs> uh, I think, I think you might like the donut stick. Okay. So I'm going to try both of those. You, did you, you see, see how easy it was to convince me to try something fattening? And it, have you had the oatmeal cream pie? I have had the oatmeal cream pie. Okay. You just didn't like it. I was making sure. But, but it's been decades. What about you know what, what like, about your chocolate love, the fudge round? What is the fudge round? It's base. It looks like the oatmeal cream pie, except it's all chocolate. Oh, I, I can get with that. <laughs> is it, there's there's cream. <laughs> all right, here's you your. Said, 
all chocolate. I'm all about it. Yeah, I it's all chocolate. chocolate. It's all it's chocolate cake, chocolate little you know a swizzle of drizzle of chocolate icing on top, and then chocolate filling. And this little Debbie thing, like our little Debbie, as as a brand, is that like a big thing in Alabama? Uh, it's big everywhere, Matt Coon. <laughs> Did you? you I, I look, you know, me and you have so much things going on. In the uh, the last "What's in Cassio's Box" episode, Little Debbie sent me a case of pumpkin spice rolls. How were they? To my, uh, it was the first time I've had them, and they're very. Do you like pumpkin spice stuff? Not really, not really. Like I, I don't, I'm not into coffee, so I never got into the pumpkin spice coffee. But you know, it's very. Uh, it's got pumpkin spice is very cinnamon and. Uh, I don't know what else make, technically makes up pumpkin spice. It's a good fall cake. It, it seems like it's very good for breakfast. I found out, hence, if you have it in the house, I will eat it. I told myself I was going to take the boxes of pumpkin spice cakes and give them to the guest, and uh, it's not going to last as long as I need it to now. Now, on the What's in Cassio's box, you have Judy and you have Doug Markham on there. Doug, oh, he, Doug is a great guy. Well, the first time I did it, it was just me and Big Booty Judy. They're always going to be me and Big Booty Judy. The second one I had, Doug wanted me uh, to to give me some of his merchandise, uh, Doug Markham, referee. And so he was like, hey, man, what's your uh, what's your P.O. box? And I said, dude, just what do you got? Just just drop it off next time you see me. So he was like, hey, I was thinking about coming by. And I said, why don't you just come by and you can sit in. And, you know, it'll be fun to have an extra guest for the P.O. box. Well, he got, uh, he took off a little bit. There was people saying, hey, he should be in on every one. Because if you've met Doug Markham, you know, he's a great spirit and just a fun guy to be around. And so uh, I asked him what he's doing on the last one because it was Halloween and I made him uh, come sit in with us. So I don't know if he's a permanent fixture, but he's more than welcome to come to all of them. He he's definitely added to the last two for sure. I'll tie the whole episode together by giving you a Doug Markham, Jim Cornette story. Oh, it just tells you snap. How, no, it tells you how great a guy Doug Markham is, right? <laughs> okay. Because Jim Cornette was talking to some promoters about a wrestler, an old wrestler that Jim Cornette knew who was coming to this place to get a certain, to get a signing, you know, and apparently Doug Markham was going to drive him there. Right. And then I specifically, specifically remember Cornette telling the guy, don't give the money to the wrestler. Give the money to Doug. Because <laughs> Doug was so trustworthy. He was more trustworthy with the wrestler's money than the wrestler was. Yeah, because he – look, you, you could trust Doug with anything you wanted. You, like if you told Doug, here are $24 million in cash. Will you keep this cash in your closet? The next time you came, there would be $24 million with dust on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was great because we're talking about don't give the money to the actual wrestler who earned it. <laughs> give it to Doug so it can go to where it needs to go. It will make I it back home. It will make it to the wrestler's bank account or his family, uh, wherever it needs to go. It will not if you put it in the hands of the actual wrestler. <laughs> Wrestling is an amazing thing. It's an amazing <laughs> different thing. Uh, Cassio, I think we've had a good time here today. Thank you, brother. Uh, before we get out, let them know how they can listen to your podcast. It's every single day, Monday through Friday, your wrestling friend, me, Matt Kuhn, 
on Total Engagement. All you got to do is look at any of your podcast platforms, Total Engagement or Matt Kuhn, K-O-O-N. You listen to every single day. It's your daily wrestling fix. First thing in the morning, take a listen. And, of course, reach out to me on Twitter at Matt Kuhn Music. And, you know, make sure to follow the show at Total Engage Show and listen to all the Cassius episodes, too. And hopefully we do this again, man. Fantastic time, man. 